Cool. <laughs> Great. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Finding My Voice. And this time it actually started with Dallas saying, cool. Great. That's the first one that started. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not going to change it. We're, we're keeping oh, no. that. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> all right. So. Um, I mean, it's cool that you're finding your voice, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> a little bit like sliding into your, your entrance there. Well, now it's finding our voices, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. We're, we're, we yeah. are branching out. So, yeah, if you follow this podcast, you've heard Dallas before, and we gushed on about the LARP, and we will do that again. Yeah. But to, to, to stay true to the format, uh, it, it is about transitioning and stuff as well. Um, and by the way, I'm going to open. There we go. That's actually a sour beer. With a taste of honey and 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 bright and white bread, this is kind of weird. But Frida's Frida's boyfriend is teaching me how to drink beer, and he said start with sour beer, and it actually kind of works. I'm trying a new one now. That's, white bread flavor. Yeah, it's so weird. Oh. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not the transition part, but I just had to say because I'm going to be drinking wine as well today. I just had to warn you. So this is this is me trying the sour beer. With bread flavor and honey flavor for the first time. I've tried sour beer before, and it was actually good. I don't like beer usually. That's why, like, like Frida trained me how to eat mushrooms because I couldn't before, and now her boyfriend is training me how to drink beer. Excellent, ah. excellent. This was really weird. Uh, mushrooms, mushrooms hmm? are probably better than beer, but um, chanterelles are. Chanterelles are awesome. Yeah, like they're they're a little. I don't know the nutritional values of mushrooms, but I would guess that they're better than beer. Okay, but probably, yeah. It's still nice to have a, I don't know, a palate for beer. Yeah, I, like Again. everybody loves beer, and I feel kind of left out when I hate beer. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But the other sour beers I've tried are actually quite nice because they don't really taste like beer. This was a little bit more beery, but I did sense okay. the honey and uh, I say, mm. I don't know what they mean by white bread, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, yeast? Like, some sort of... But I don't... Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Next, well, time, next time we're in the same city, I would like to try some of this uh, white yeah. bread. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll make sure to have some at home. Uh, so it's actually orange, honey, and white bread flavored beer. <laughs> I don't know. Like it I can taste so honey funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Honey and orange are very nice in beer, but um, yeah. white bread. Well, I, I, it's still a beer I can drink. Uh, I have a problem drinking beer usually. The other sour beers I've tried are better. I have another one. I also have wine. I'm going to have wine after this. So I'm going to get a little cuckoo later, which is fine. Okay. <laughs> beer before wine, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it rhymes. So it must be true. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. Exactly. Well, does it does it also count if it's you know honey, orange, and white bread flavored beer? I don't. I'm sure it still counts. Okay, here's here's what I know. Okay, beer. Um, beer before liquor never been sicker. Oh really? Liquor before beer, you're in the clear. Huh. Beer before wine, you're fine. And if you're doing all three of those, then I wouldn't suggest that. Okay. Maybe sure. when I was like a teenager or something. Um, 
Because then you'd forget uh, about it anyway. Yeah, then it's, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you, you just kind of have to go with your wallet. And, I, like, I grew up in America, so uh, I never drank as a teenager. But um, <laughs> uh, now, now I uh, have to be much more careful with the mixing. Yeah. The mixing business can't do that. But I still think our wine nights are successful. Oh, those are the best. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it's it's straight on wine. That's uh-huh. that's yeah. And that's that's how it should be. <laughs> we have the best sidetracks. <laughs> All right, we yeah. are actually yeah, we are gonna gush about the LARP and I also wanna bring something up that is fun for us, but also something very important to talk about, I think, which we'll come to after or at the end part of the LARP talk. But first, just to keep the format, we got to talk something transition-related. And I do. I talk a lot on this podcast. I mean, it is my podcast. But um, how about you? Do you want to say something about transitioning? It can be about me or about your, what you learn or something in general. Oh, um, I mean, it's, it's really good, I think, for me that identifies as a cis uh, woman to really be active in learning how to be an ally um and what what that means because it it can it it should grow as as i grow um with learning and you know i've i've made mistakes in the past and i've um you know said and done things that maybe i wouldn't do now but I, i that's good that's growth so um just kind of always keeping an open mind and learning um, what would what I should be doing to be an ally? Because I think I think you said before on a podcast that uh, it takes more than than trans people to fight this uh-huh. the the kind of prejudice that's so pervasive right now. And um, I I want to be there oh. to help because it is important. I mean it's. It's um, it every everybody you know should live the way that is best for them to live, and I think that human rights makes us more free. So it does benefit me if I want to look at it that way. But I just want to make the world more equal uh-huh. for for everybody, and this is a way I I can do it. Yeah. Absolutely, there are no silent allies, and you are right. Like, like you don't have to be perfect. But once you can learn, uh, you knew me before I came out, mm-hmm. and I've seen you learn, and that's like one of the great things about you. Um, I remember one thing in particular. Uh, I remember you saying this was before I was out to you, so I, I was like, it's always troubling. Like, how much can I correct someone without like outing myself? <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah it was early on when when jk rowling started going down the spiral and you said something like uh i want to uh, like i believe trans people but i do i still think sex is real and which is yeah it totally buys into the bullshit jk rowling was spouting that trans people don't know what sex is like like if anybody knows what sex is it's trans people like that's the whole core of the issue but like you started there, and then I just informed you, and then you went, uh-huh, okay, that makes sense. So you, you're actually, you're learning and you're growing. No one's perfect at as they start, you know? 
Yeah, and I think I think um, that was that was really helpful because I I I don't remember exactly um, this. It was probably I mean it sounds like it was much more eventful for you, understandably so. But I'm glad that you did say something. And you were able to educate me in a very polite way. I mean, if if you had been any <laughs> way annoying or like if it had irritated me, I would have remembered probably yeah. because I'm I'm so thin skinned. But uh, yeah. so you you must have done it in a very very uh, polite and and affirming, if I can say it that way. Way yeah. So um. Uh, yeah, it was just, I think for me, it was mostly about education because I just didn't know at the time I, um, I, I don't remember if I knew anyone that was out, um, for being trans. Um, I, um, it was definitely before J.K. Rowling's horrible essay, um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you you get fed a lot of different perspectives and you think that you're being fair and balanced in certain ways, but a lot of times you don't really know what you're saying. And I think that that was a big part of what was going on. And so, uh, well done with (laughs) giving me an education uh, because I'm really glad that I learned and you know, kind of opened my mind and to really start to question exactly what kind of information I get and where I go from there. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Like, uh, me too, I have things to learn about minorities that I'm not a part of, and I did, f- I did think you were hungry for knowledge and you wanted to learn, like, with a progressive mindset. And thank you for saying, like, I was kind, because I tried to be kind. Also, I like you. You're one of my favorite people, so... <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wasn't going to steamroll you, you know, and you wouldn't be one of my favorite people if I didn't think you were going to be progressive about this. <laughs> well, well that, that's very nice. But yeah, you were, you must have been very, very kind. I mean, you're always kind in general. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, for me to not take it personally absolutely means that you were incredibly open and um, giving with it. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I like get a paper cut and I like blame myself for the paper. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, so I I really think that you have a way of educating people without um without uh, making them feel bad, which is an amazing amazing gift. Wow! Thank you. That's amazing. That's a very nice thing to say. You are amazing, and I think it's oh. absolutely true. Thanks. So. Thank you. Uh, I, I kind of want to ask something that might that has a potential to be kind of like a little uncom- uncomfortable, but you don't have to answer. That's or okay. Ask like <laughs> it's not it's not an, like okay. The thing I'd, I'd like to ask is: there something you have wanted to ask about transitioning, or something like that, that you haven't dared ask? Ooh. Um. Let's see. I I can't think of anything in general. It's more um I think I think for me knowing what um maybe terms somebody would prefer like if it if they would prefer for example like pre-transition or before I was out or um uh-huh. 
if they want to refer how they want to refer to themselves and especially if somebody was maybe a public figure in some form um uh that that kind of interests me because i mean obviously there's people like elliot page who oh. now absolutely goes by elliot and i think most of the news sources and media that i've read refer to him as elliot uh-huh um but i know that that isn't necessarily what all trans people would like no, yeah, that's that is true. People are have different, like, not everyone's binary and not everyone has dysphoria. That's there's a difference. And right. with someone like Elliot Page, who already has a big body of work before they come out, like they mm-hmm. don't want to shun the work. So that's kind right. of it, it's there, and they have to kind of relate to it being there. Um, so in the end, it's on an individual basis, but I think a good baseline. Like a good baseline is start with who they are is how you refer to them, uh, even mm-hmm. in retrospect, you know, even when you talk about them before. Yeah. You, you you come from where they are and you can add, you know, before you came out, so, uh, like, a, like a justifier, like, 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 a, like an adjustment like that. that mm-hmm. That's a good baseline to start with. And if somebody feels differently, then, then they can tell you and you adjust accordingly. But I think that's a good baseline. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good um, rule uh, rule to at least start with, I think, um, and then really listen to what a person would prefer if they tell you something yeah. different. Um, because like people are like people aren't dumb in this way. Like you hear about these people who make up these stupid stories that might happen in minority cases, but don't really. And that is, you know, trans right. people being angry about someone accidentally getting stuff wrong for the first time doesn't tend to happen. We know people are going to get things wrong. Um, but, you know, listen when you're being corrected. That's that's all anyone ever really asks. And if somebody goes like, um, uh, if I call someone she and they actually am they them and I go, oh, sorry, they them. They are they never they're never angry about that, you know. They're always yeah. chill about that. Pretty much always chill about that. So you don't have to get things absolutely wrong by guess, uh, absolutely right by guessing. Uh, it it's enough if you just accept being corrected and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. And it's also good to not necessarily make a big deal. I mean, you can tell me what you think about this, but to not make a big deal about apologizing, just kind of being like, "Oh, okay," and move on. Yeah. Um, because um. <laughs> this is not a one-to-one um, uh, analogy or anything, but I just one time uh, somebody accidentally knocked over my drink, uh-huh. and uh, they kept apologizing and they kept apologizing, Aww. and it got to the point where it was very annoying. Yeah, it is <laughs> annoying. like yeah. I, I know that you. It was an accident. It's okay. Like <laughs> this kind of stuff happens, and I feel like that would kind of play in here where it's like let's just move on and because now i have to manage your feelings about uh feeling bad and And it becomes about them you know yes yes yeah and that's not fair that that's not really what should be happening 
Yeah, there are a few reasons why you're right. First of all, yeah, it becomes about them and like how sorry they are, and they're trying to become like lift themselves mm-hmm. up. I am so sorry. Don't can't you see what good a person I am for being this sorry? It's like, no, yeah. come on, chill. <laughs> like, and, yeah. And you're also kind of lingering on the issue because misgendering someone, even if it's like a quick accident, like I said, it's chill and it is, but it's not completely painless. Yeah. We just understand yeah. that it's going to happen. Move on and it's fine. We don't want to linger on it. You know, just, just fucking move right. on. Oh, no, I'm using F. It's alcohol, so I'm actually going to allow myself some F- yeah. F-bombs. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. In advance. <laughs> That's but okay. Yeah. It's an After Hours podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had, um, I've had some white bread beer. <laughs> Apparently, white bread beer oh. makes me say the F word. Yeah, I, would, I can imagine that making somebody swear more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, now we've been loyal to form and we've spoken about transition stuff. Let's go to the big juicy stuff. Oh, and I want you to acknowledge a few things. I was okay. completely right about two things that I was nagging about. One of the things was you would love the LARP. And the other thing was, uh-huh. you would be great at it. I was right about both, weren't I? <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, uh, I, I wasn't uh, confident that I would be great at it, but I knew I would love it. Um, I agreed with you. It, it, it's just, yeah, once you kind of cross into the barrier and get into it, it's, uh, it's just really, really fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a, a video game. Um, in in some ways better than a video game because you know it's it's real. Um, yeah, you're there. It's immersive. You're actually there. Yeah, yeah, and it's the kind of video game that I really enjoy. I know I know that there's probably other LARPs for people that maybe want more physicality, uh-huh. but uh, for me, the political intrigue and the 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 kind of subtext when you talk to somebody of, oh, what's underneath that? Yeah. And what do you want? Um, and the different alliances forming. Like, I I would love to play Survivor, or uh, Robinson, as it's called. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I hate nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I... Couldn't I couldn't do it. Um I, I I could outwit maybe. I um that's one of the things in the American Survivor that's uh outwit, outplay. Uh maybe, maybe here and there. But um I couldn't outlast. That's that's no. Um I'd see my first bug and <laughs> I would be out of there. Uh, but I love, I love the intrigue and the strategy, and I feel like you get that with um, uh-huh. with LARPing. Uh, I should clarify for people who didn't listen to the last one. Uh, we are both uh, playing a vampire LARP set in uh, version uh, V5, version 5 of um, Vampire the Masquerade. And yes, we're not, it's not like a physical LARP where you, when you, where you run around hitting each other with with foam weapons and it's not like a like a battle reenactment it's a political kind of game of thronesy present day political intrigue game 
Yes, yes. Right up my alley, so to speak. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, very, very political. And I, I love how, how <laughs> political and conniving everybody can get. It's just, it's, it's, it keeps mm-hmm. things really, really interesting. And especially with the, the whole concept that these are undead monsters, like everyone has different levels of humanity, mm-hmm. but most are pretty scary. <laughs> so when you're playing a somewhat, somewhat yeah. good character, you are in trouble, which for me, like I, I, I play a almost ridiculously good character, <laughs> like way too good to be in that world, <laughs> which is so scary for my character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your character is uh very much too good for this world. Um but that might that might turn into a strength for her. Yeah, because uh, everybody has this beast inside them and that's part of the game. And I I like that because it makes it quite interesting in the choices that people make because in real life I don't think any of these people would do a lot of the things they do in game. <laughs> oh gosh, Mr. Taylor! Ah, oh, he's such a sweetheart out of game, but in oh, game, sorry. like he, like you see nightmares. Oh, oh, is it is family life? Sorry. Okay. Family life is. Oh uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, thankfully, you can probably edit that out or, or not if you want to nah, keep it in. That's, that's, I'll keep it in because this is wine stuff. So it's fine. <laughs> Dallas has a family, by the way, and a cat who's who's kind of cameoing in the LARP, by the way. Yes, he is canon. I love it. Yeah. Um, he has his own little character also, kind yeah. of. Um, you, you're going to have to explain uh, that. A lot of people are going to be very confused. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, yeah, he's... he's my, my character has a cat, and it's very much the same as my cat. Yeah, with the same name. <laughs> And vampires can have pets, and they can feed them their own blood, which makes the pets, like, live forever or as long as they keep getting fed and they get some powers and stuff. Which is like, it's a ghoul. You can make your cat into a ghoul, which is kind of like a vampire servant. But you can do that to to animals. Yes. And it's it's quite, quite enjoyable that he is part of it. And uh, I sent him, I, I sent his picture into the chat, and I got some responses on that, which was very cute. That was a great picture, though. <laughs> just leaning in, just peeking. <laughs> it was great. I'm gonna use that as like, I'm gonna use that <laughs> yes. as the picture for this uh, episode because he's great. I love, I, I love Obsidian. He's very photogenic. He's uh-huh. very, he's very sweet. Um. He's very um, attached <laughs> to to his family. He's very much into pack. Um, so it is almost like he's my own ghoul cat, but I don't actually feed him my blood. Oh, oh good, blood. good. I mean, <laughs> and what if you like the to taste for that? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I wanted to ask um, you. I'm gonna. Oh, you go on first if you want something first. Oh no, I was just thinking if there's anything more about LARPing. Um, but uh, 
yeah, I think I think um, if you listen to the other podcast, we talked a little bit about this particular LARP. Yeah. So yeah, your first um, session. We we did. But otherwise, we'll just keep it <laughs> mystery. But it's one of the more famous role playing. So you can always look up Vampire Masquerade. Yeah. And if you're if you live near Gothenburg and want to play with us, just you know, drop me a line and I'll get you in. Uh, I'll I'll bring yeah, yeah. you into the night. Blah. That's not how we talk, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> unless you want to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're allowed to LARP if you do that. <laughs> Anyway, um, um, I wanted to ask you something, and it's a big thing, uh, mm-hmm. which is fun because you thought we were going to like, all right, that's it for the LARP. No, it's not it, because I would like you <laughs> to tell me about the last session, all of it, mm-hmm. from your perspective oh. and your character's perspective. Go. Okay, let's see. Yeah, it was a pretty big session. Um, oh, you're telling me. Holy so- shit. <laughs> I, I think it was much more um, impactful for you, but because uh-huh. my character is new to Gothenburg, um, trying to make friends um, or allies or people to step on, so to speak, but <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to make connections, um, still kind of an outsider, but um, we got a new prince which is the ruling the, the ruler of the camarilla which is the more establishment government uh-huh. um in this particular world yeah the vampire and, one of the vampire governments yeah yes yes um and i say establishment because that's the one that's a bit more rule i would i would say that it has more rule things yeah yeah um it's very, very much in keeping with Do Not Break the Masquerade. Um, well, everyone does that. Like, nobody wants to break the Masquerade. Neither either side wants to break the Masquerade. Oh, the Masquerade, by <laughs> the way. The Masquerade is a very sacred rule that vampires are not allowed to let humans know that we exist. Yes. Um, that's true. That's very true that both sides don't want to do that. But it's, it feels like generally the Camarilla are are um, a bit more, I guess, conservative when it would come to that particular rule in how one can go about doing things. Um, yeah, they, they are because- conservative in a, in, a, in a context where they can be, be like six or seven hundred years old. So they are very yeah. conservative. <laughs> Yes, and that that doesn't mean Republican, like American Republicans. It means um, just more that this is this is the established ruling body, and um, these are the rules. Yes, it's very hierarchical, um, very organized to a point that's almost rigid. I would say um, almost. Well, yes, but uh, I mean, you know, people do move around a bit, but it's. Yeah. It's don't mind me. Yeah. I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's okay. Uh, um, it's just um, uh, yeah. They're they're very um. I would say strict. I mean, it, there has to be times when you do break the masquerade to maybe embrace a new vampire. 
or acquire a servant or, you know, do some sort of dealing in the outside world. Um, the outside world meaning with humans. But uh, they, they, the Camarilla does it in a way that makes it uh, very strict in how things are done. And they say they do that to keep protection. Um, whether one agrees with that or not is up to the player, I guess. But um, yeah, it's very, uh, that's sort of the price you pay for personal freedom if you want that particular protection of the Camarilla. Uh -huh. um, yeah, anything more to say on the Camarilla? Uh, no. Oh, that's sort of leading away from the question. You asked about my Yeah, tell, tell me about, tell me right, about me. what happened on, right, Saturday, right, okay, on, on, so. the, on the fateful night of... What date was it? Was it like the 11th? Like, hang on. The 11th, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, the 11th of November, 2023, in the domain of Gothenburg. What happened? Yes. Elysium. So... So how I got into this long tangent was that the Camarilla got a new prince. And we've been without a prince for a little while um, since I, my characters arrived in Gothenburg. Um, so it, it seemed like a, a pretty good thing that someone was stepping up to do that. But um, part of the deal for him to become the new prince was that uh, there have been some... Uh, captured thin bloods. Uh -huh. Now, thin bloods are vampires that have been in this world called embraced, but they don't have quite the similar powers or curses. Yeah, they're, they're kind of half vampires. They're day walkers, they can walk in the sun, they don't have a beast, they're not as strong, but they do need blood and they don't age and they do have some powers even if they don't match the power of a full kindred. Right. Um, and at the moment in Gothenburg, they are supposed to be all destroyed. Um, yeah, it's very, very um, genocidal. Yes. Um, so four thin bloods have been captured and three have been destroyed. Um, and the prince, in order to become prince, was asked by the Seneschal to kill the last um the, the fourth thin blood yeah the Senegal, the Senegal was tasked to appoint a new prince and he had like an ultimatum like you decide what happens to this thin blood but i will not appoint you if you're too weak to kill them right of course he didn't say it exactly in that way it sounded like it was an option for the prince to be to do this but uh yeah, the, the political clear. background was clear. Mr. Taylor, yeah. one of the best villains I've ever seen in anything, is so scary. He was oh, very, very scary. And I, I love it. There are some vampires who do feel bad for the Thin Bloods and, and do want to be more progressive and give them a chance. Mr. Taylor mm -hmm. doesn't. And he wants to make sure the domain is clear. If you're Thin yeah. Blood, your knights are numbered. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's quite, quite the character. Um, so he's, he was very strict on this. So, um, we are at this event called Elysium where all the vampires are able to come and go freely, supposedly. Um, 
no matter which clan you're in or sect you're in, the Camarilla or Anarch. Yeah, Elysium is a place for political meetings where you can be secure because violence is quote-unquote not allowed. Yes. So, um, what my character experienced was a few people, one in particular, um, this, this vampire was, uh, is an anarch, um, and she is one of the barons, um, which is, uh, is sort of the equivalent of, uh, the Camarilla Prince. And she was essentially petitioning for the thin blood. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't hear everything clearly, but it sounded like that she was trying to bargain for this thin blood's life and maybe take it under her protection. Um, yeah. yeah, Bella, her name was, uh, is an mm-hmm. uh, Nosferatu a baron, one of two barons in Gothenburg. And she's very outspoken about thin blood rights. And she mm-hmm. was given the opportunity to speak, uh, speak, like, speak out about what she thinks should be done. However, they expected her to pay, to compromise, to um, to make sacrifices for the privilege of deciding the Thimblad's face, uh, fate, uh, which is like a big ask, which is kind of like part of the political game because Camilla hates Bella. They hate yes. that she has domain in Gothenburg and that she's saving Thimblads. And so yeah. if, she, if she had the opportunity to bargain with a great boon or something like it for the Thimblad's um, life, that would mean she would owe a lot of favors to the Camarilla, which could actually cost more Thimblad's life. So they put Bella in a pretty terrible situation. Yeah, it was it was a pretty difficult situation um, because, I mean, technically speaking, these, these Thimblad's were caught supposedly on... Um, Camarilla grounds, uh, um, and so it would be the Camarilla that maybe would deal with them in some way. But if you look at it morally, obviously that's genocide. So um, it's quite quite dramatic and quite sad, but uh, a really tough choice for Bella if she was going to offer any particular boon because she's also responsible for. The people in her, uh, would it be barony? Um, yeah, barony, her domains. Room. Like yeah. uh, her, her yeah. barony is a collection of domains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, she has to decide between her ideals, um, which are obviously very strong, and her, um, her uh, people that she promised protection to. So it's it's. Quite a bad situation for her in that sense. Um, and she chose, as far as I know, what I understood was that she could not give up that much power to the Camarilla. No, she oh. couldn't. No, and she that's play, very she understandable. She couldn't play the game. Uh, it was too expensive. Yeah. Um, which my character agrees with, political, politically-wise. Um tough but uh she does have her people to look out for um so as far as i understand uh that means that the prince will be willing to destroy this thin blood 
but they were hoping to maybe get some information out of this thin blood. And if she complies and gives information, then she will have a humane death. Um, otherwise, it will be a more excruciating death. Um, that, and then, that was, uh, I have to add, that, that was really funny. <laughs> it was really funny how it, how it all worked out. Yeah. Um, because they would put the, the thin blood in a sun well, which to a vampire would be horrible. <laughs> a thin blood, it would also be horrible, but uh, it would not be quite as bad as... Um, because there could be potential for escape as well. Well, here's the thing. Like, thin bloods aren't killed by sunlight. Vampires right. are. And I just love, like, Gail was so cocky. Like, another character. She was like, when the prince announced that this, like, if if she does not comply, she will be placed in a sun well. And she was like, you know sunlight doesn't kill thin bloods, right? <laughs> Then he like, will die. Well, oh, yeah, but that, we just, that just means it'll be slower. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible, but in my head, I was thinking, oh, could could the Anarchs go and rescue this particular thin blood? Um, but it doesn't seem like it turned out that way. Um, um, because let's see what well, I mean it, more more little things happen there was a lot of new people to Elysium in between and uh a Elysium keeper was also elected or appointed um Lady Clementine Madam Clementine yeah yes yes and she's in the Camarilla as well so um it's very Camarilla sided right now which is technically pretty good for my character who is in the Camarilla um, um and also he, he he extended uh Mr. Taylor's role as a Senegal and also oh, granted yeah. him this is this was big by the way. He granted Mr. Taylor the right to destroy. Oh, meaning yeah. he's yeah. allowed to execute people without a trial. That's that is scary. That's very scary because this particular <laughs> Empire talked quite a lot about how he bought a special block for executions. Mr. Taylor is so scary. <laughs> he, he's quite enjoyable, though. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's a great character, and he plays him wonderfully. Like, I get nightmares just from hearing him speak. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll get, we'll get to... Uh, that in a second um but uh continuing on um there was a public apology which was quite intense um she this vampire made another vampire bend down to kneel down to her and uh apologize in front of everybody um first yeah. light this was actually quite interesting. I was actually sent... Mr. Taylor tasked me to find out what I was about. I actually got a personal quest from Mr. Taylor. Super mm -hmm. scary for my character. Like, I am the, the, like, the pinnacle of good and he's the pinnacle of evil. And I have to, I have to appease him. Because I'm like the lowest of the low in the Camarilla. But um, he wanted me to find out what it was about. And uh, one character had basically suggested... That the other character might have been like had something to do with the Sabbat, which is fair enough because the Sabbat is like an evil sect. 
And yes. she, she, the person you're speaking to, there was a Tsimitsi, right? Which is totally Sabat. <laughs> so it wasn't really that far off. But yeah, it was very rude because Sabat is the enemy. Yes. Um, she was quite angry, but uh, he apologized publicly, very, um, very publicly, in a rather, rather deferential manner. So it was. That was quite interesting. And, you know, sweet little me thinking this was going to be it. Um, But, of course, it wasn't. Um, I was not in the room. I was, oh, I was actually talking. My uh, character was talking with your character. We were chatting. And this anarch comes in and he stomps through the room, picks up a cup. Oh, yeah, this was towards the end of the night, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if there's other events that I've forgotten about, please let me know. But this is like well, no, a lot of stuff happened in the night. But it's fair. I asked your your perspective, and not a lot happened for you. I suppose there was a lot more in the background, but that that didn't happen to you. So I asked your perspective. So go on. Yeah, there is there is little things here and there. You know, talking to different people. I'm trying to get to know different people. Um, uh, chatting. Um, up. I, I I need a coterie. I need a place to live. I need all these these things. A coterie things. is basically like a band of friends for vampires. Yes. Yes. Um. And yes. Yeah, so this particular anarch stomps through the room, picks up a cup, and stomps out. And it's it's quite intense. And then I um I'm chatting a bit more. And I'm chatting with two other members of the Camarilla, and we see Bella, the the vampire that was petitioning for the Thin Blood, being carried out by the other Baron of the Anarchs. And that's about all that I knew of what happened at the time. And I heard different things um, that she was uh bloodbound to the old prince but the old prince was bloodbound to her as well um so they were bloodbound to each other which is a pretty big no no um and as far as i understand and i thought that she had been staked which means that she would be in oh uh, how would you describe it sort of like a, well if you're if you're staked um, there are two different types of like uh, being kind of out cold. And if you're staked, you are out cold. Uh, because you have a stake through your heart, you are paralyzed. You mm-hmm. can't move, but you are conscious. However, there's the other thing. If you just too damaged, you enter a state of t- what's called torpor. Which right. means uh, that's a coma. Then you are not uh, conscious. Uh, Bella was in torpor. She was not conscious. She had been stabbed right. with a knife, not with a stake. I had found that out later i i thought uh who i talked to thought she had been staked um i don't remember who said that to me but um but yeah i found out that she actually was in torpor so she was not conscious um but basically from tempest's point of view the the anarchs kind of imploded <laughs> oh, um, oh god yeah oh gosh um, where, cause they kind of had a, a little bit of a standoff going on, but it was, it was like, I mean, you can kind of see that it was inching to, to 
come to a head eventually. But um, I didn't think it would happen so soon. Um, but it did. It did. Uh, from Tempest's perspective, where it's just now there's one Baron um, and a little bit of a mystery of what's going to happen to the other Baron. But um, it seems like she, uh, it won't be anything good for her. So yeah, so yeah, that's what happened to from from Tempest's perspective. And how was what was that like for Dallas? I mean, it was it was pretty pretty intense, um, kind of fun. Way <laughs> that sounds that sounds uh, in a way a bit terrible, but I yeah, it, it, it was it was a lot of drama, a lot of drama, and yeah. it's it's really in a way, nice to see these political strands kind of come to a, a, a end in a way, or like some sort of um, conflict happen and how that can get resolved in this particular game. Um, because it is a game and you do want there to be drama and conflict and intrigue and all sorts of things. So even though there are technically the rules, um, for for the characters, I enjoy when people break them because I want to break them and I want to see how they're done. <laughs> now, I'm going to speak freely here because I know I don't have a lot, big audience and the people who play the LARP don't listen to this so they will not okay. find out from here what okay. happened <laughs> because I have a, a bit of information that's not public. Okay, okay. Um. I know a few things that will... You know these things, too, by the way. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was a little bit afraid to say too much because I wasn't sure, you know, yeah, how no, much is... Yeah, I, I have, like, 20 like... listeners, and no one's at the lot. Don't worry. <laughs> um, like, but, like, um, yeah, my character um, looks up to Bella some something immensely. Uh, my character was turned into a Nosferatu December 24th, 2022 very young and for like half a year she only knew her sire who's a violent aggressive monster if, if mr taylor is is villain so is this person i haven't yeah. met her sire he well, hasn't been they're not similar mr taylor is intelligent and articulate. Oh, yes, yes. It's not um, that they're similar. It's like that they're opposite sides of the villainhood. Well, they're, they're both equally villainous. However, Mr. Taylor is intelligent and meticulous. Whereas, he, he, um, he be lawful evil. Whereas, yeah. Lungard <laughs> is... Lungard... <laughs> he's kind of like speaks in growls. And like he's, both players are wonderful people, but when they're in character, they're terrible. Uh, my sire is violent. Uh, he breaks my bones when I do something wrong, that kind of thing. Like, he's... He, and he's... He's fiercely loyal to the Camarilla, even though Nosferatu usually plays clan before sect. Uh, he is... And he is the nemesis. My sire hates Bella with his entire undead heart. However, Bella was the first vampire who was ever kind to my character. So yeah. my my character kind of idolized Bella. And 
and is complete. My character is like I am putting myself out there now, but, but I don't think LARP, people at the LARP listen to this. My character is a double agent for Bella. My character is Camarilla, but she's a double agent for the Bella An- Anarchs. There are two two Anarch factions that are actually at war with each other: Bella's Anarchs and Egon's Anarchs. And Egon's Anarchs were the ones who stabbed Bella. Um. However, uh, yeah, my, I ran into the room. At the commotion, you saw me run out when when the Toreador came running in and out, right? You saw the panic. Uh, I I think so. I don't quite remember. Well, um, I I ran into the room and I saw Bella on the floor, lifeless. And I tried to argue, since she's Nosferatu, her body should be brought to the Nosferatu Warren Warren where where. Um, that's neutral ground. It's not Camarilla or Anarch ground, but no, they refused because, of course, they are... The, the Egon's Anarchs hate Bella as well. Um, and I happen to know that they are going to kill Bella. It's already been established. She will be dead by next LARP. And my character's entire future in the Kindred Society hinged upon Bella, so my character is crushed. And my character doesn't yet know that she will not be rescued. Uh, my character is still... We are doing mid-play with text of me and some of the Bellas Arnarks looking for her. But the players, we know she will not be found. And it's absolutely harrowing. Um, Which brings me to the... Last topic I wanted to talk about, because I think this is an important topic that needs to be covered properly, and that is the um, the concept of bleed. Do you want to explain what bleed is? Um, sure. Uh, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly new to this, but I, I think I understand pretty much what it is, and it's very interesting, actually, because I... I have a theater background and I know Katarina does also um, and kind of comparing this to maybe bleed from a character um, is is really quite fascinating so bleed is when you are technically outside of the game you are not in character um, but you still feel as if you are in character and a lot of maybe what happened in the game or in the between games or um anything that has to do with your character still feels as if it is happening to you so for so so i think uh your character is really really strong example of this um so uh your character's already been devastated by seeing your best friend um, lifeless on the ground. And even though you know that it is just a game, you are still feeling the grief and the the, the sadness and the, the um, feelings of being afraid of what you would do if this were real life. Um, and it's happening, you know, all the time. It's not just happening within the game. Like you, you 
will think about that character or something will remind you of that character and then it's it's as if it's still really happening um so so yeah, yeah and it, it can happen with good things too if if you have a particularly <laughs> powerful moment you know you can feel particularly powerful for a few weeks um and that's really good but our brains do tend to hang on to the bad stuff um for better or worse but yeah uh, uh yeah so that's essentially what bleed is and yeah the character quite... feelings bleeding onto your feelings yeah yes yeah like um i i had severe bleed like um i do remember like after the larp frida came with us to your hotel room and we just had some like a cool down session just talk mm-hmm. about talked because her character of five years had just been killed yeah yeah and like like i felt a little bad that i was more devastated than she was <laughs> But yeah, she got to talk a lot about her situation and her character's journey at her at your hotel room, and that was wonderful. And I just started crying. Um, and by the way, this wasn't the worst crying I would like. I was actually quite tame when I was in your hotel room. I don't know how how it looked from your view. I I had a feeling that it was worse when you told me later. Um, yeah. That uh, and th- and that makes sense actually from perspective because things are often easier when you're sort of talking about them or, um, you know, amongst friends. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit easier to bear these things. So uh, yeah, I I and, can imagine it was worse. And yeah, for me it was kind of like Frida's one of my best friends, and and Bella was one of Emmy's best friends. Emmy's my character. Mm-hmm. Um. And well, she was talking to me. She does. She does this thing. She does it quite a bit when she notices that I'm in distress. She she grabs my shoulders and like looks at me and puts her face really close to mine. And she just says, "Hi." (laughs) That's just really. It's so good because it centers us both. It's so good, Um, and it kind of grounded me and was fine. I did cry a few times when we were talking about her character, Um, but like. When I got home, like I, I actually I wrote a sonnet um, about uh, about my like my character kind of wrote the sonnet like because I noticed I couldn't I couldn't make myself go to bed I just couldn't go to bed for some reason. This is four in the morning, just so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just realized I just had to get something out on of me, and I. I realized I have to write this sonnet. I'll read it later. Um, and uh, once I had written it, I felt like I could go to bed. And as I went to bed, I didn't sleep. I cried all night until morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it hit me. Like, it was so weird. Like, I saw... I had the image of Bella on the ground, lifeless, and my brain just couldn't tell... First of all, I'm highly sensitive and I'm fully immersed. So I do feel all of my characters' feelings. They were horrible. But my brain started to blend Frida and Bella. I couldn't mm-hmm. really tell them apart. And so I kind of felt like Frida was lying there dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, you told me the next day or maybe the day after that you had to... 
you wanted a, a voice message and then free yeah. to call you. Yeah, yeah, that was that was two days later. Actually, that was a Tuesday. No, wait, that hang on. Maybe the Monday. Some days, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a, a few days la- later because she she kept checking in on me. Like that that's yeah. the wonderful thing about these larpers is that they understand of bleed. They understand bleed. They they basically people contact each other like, are you okay? You all right? Okay, fine. Um, and Frida did contact me with chat and we called each other sometimes. But there was one morning mm-hmm. I just I just got up in the morning and I just couldn't stop crying. And I I text messaged her and said, could you just, you know, send me a voice message or something? Just I need to hear something. And she called me and she and she told me, and she's told me this before. She's been in this situation before when she was new at the LARP. When one of her character's friends died, who was friends with her in real life as well, uh, that her brain just could not tell the difference. Like her brain had started a grieving process for her friend. Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't, that's a process you can't really stop. It has to be, No. Um, you have to work through it. And that's what happened. So it helped that I heard her voice. Like I had to remind my brain that she was actually still alive. I knew she was, but the grieving process didn't really care. And like, I was just like, like I've been crying on and off since then. It's been a week now. And after like Thursday, no, Wednesday, um, it wasn't so bad. But until the Tuesday, like, like, I was kind of okay on, until Sunday evening. Like, yeah. all right, the, w- once I had written the sonnet, I just was devastated. But then most of the Sunday, I was okay until the evening. And then Monday and Tuesday, I was completely devastated. I spoke to Frida on Tuesday morning. And after that, I cried a few times a day. But bleed is some powerful stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think... um. But it's it's true what you say. Your brain doesn't know the difference. It's it's even even when we watch movies or read books or consume any sort of media, um, we have there there does go grieving processes through it. And I think that it is important that uh, you allow it to process um, because it is real. It, it, it there is a relationship that won't be the same anymore and of course frida is still here um and your character is still here but the relationship that you had as these other characters won't exist and both and when larping because i play so immersively emmy is real in my head i can bring Mm -hmm. her out and be her Mm -hmm. and she is devastated and and being like the combination of using this kind of immersive acting technique for LARPing and also me being highly sensitive, Frida also being highly sensitive, by the way, so we trigger each other. It just makes everything so incredible. But I do want to reiterate here that I don't regret any of this. Right, this isn't... Had, yeah, I had a shitty week, but I liked it still somehow. But it's still, it's still I think, good for the the brain to go through this i mean it's it's i mean it's, it, it it is real but it's also practice for yeah. real life <laughs> it's it's a little bit uh, tough to maybe explain but i think uh this bleeding shouldn't it, it detract anyone from trying no, exactly. yeah. larping um especially if you're highly sensitive i think it's actually quite a good thing because it can really give you tools to to work with these really, now. really strong, tough emotions. 
I, I would mm-hmm. say this is a really good thing. I don't regret yeah. doing it and I will keep doing it. But I would say make sure that you're in a good group. People who care about each other. People who contact oh, each other afterwards, you know? 100%. Like um, if, if Frida didn't call me to check in, I might I, be in trouble. <laughs> I am so impressed with this particular group that we... Uh, that you brought me into just there they really take care of the players um they really make sure that everybody feels safe at least in my experience so yeah far. oh yeah absolutely i agree um and you know you are not allowed to touch unless you're given the okays in certain yeah, ways consent's key, yeah you can always stop can always stop um when you want to um which i think is incredibly important um uh you can take a break whenever you like you can um really find ways to work with your character and um you know find a character that will fit in with this particular group and um you you also have the freedom to you know do what you need and what you'd like um so that's that's quite important so yes definitely find a good group um that you feel like you can you can express these emotions that you can take care of each other yeah it's wonderful and it is it's 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 incredibly uh important way to really practice being vulnerable I yeah think. Um, that's oh yes yeah, a great word vulnerable because like even though i cried a lot I st- i'm still happy because mm-hmm. it's strong emotions and I'm in touch with being alive in a, in a mm-hmm. level that I wouldn't be if I wasn't this practiced at just experiencing emotions. And I think it just opens you up to, yeah, vulnerability opens mm-hmm. you up to experience life at a whole new level. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's, it, it really is, especially uh, for highly sensitive people, I think. Um because it can be hard for highly sensitive people to find ways to maybe express these kinds of emotions. Um, but this is, is a really, really good venue to do that. Sure. And it's just really fun. It's just it's oh, yeah. really, really fun. Um, like we've been talking about the trauma of it, but there, there were some really fun, there's some funny things going on too. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of funny things as well. Um, a lot of great connections. And hey, I live for the drama. So the drama mm-hmm. is super fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I can't wait for it. I want to like. Uh, I'm I'm still kind of new, so my character is a bit wary, but uh, oh. she'll be she'll be stirring stuff up soon enough. Next next session is going to be a Christmas ball. Christmas just, ball. Yes. Yeah, and I'm just like. There is so much bad blood going around right now. <laughs> the the two different anarch factions are so at war. Uh, the yeah, Camarillas just discovered that their former prince was blood bound to an anarch baron. <laughs> like yeah. everybody's angry at everybody, and there's gonna be a Christmas ball. Like, I, oh my gosh! <laughs> I love the ball, but these things always heighten the drama, and I just I, I love it. Parties, parties always do it. <laughs> And, like I remember, I can't remember who said this, but someone told me, like, well, you know what, red is a good color for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the red oh, wedding yes. is nothing compared to what's gonna happen on next session. <laughs> it's no. gonna, oh, wow. 
Oh. <sighs> oh boy. Oh boy. And, and Frida's okay, by the way. She's gonna come back with another character who she's yeah. worked she worked on for two years. She played Bella for five. That's a long time. I I would be quite sad if my character. Oh died. no, no, Frida was sad. She was strong for me. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but was, uh, you've she, been there for her too, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I was there. I've been there as much as I can for her. Like she yeah. means a lot to me, and she was also she knew for a lo- she, she knew for a long time. When, as soon as her character started get, going into politics and also very radical politics, she knew she was in danger. So she's mentally prepared for this to happen, and yeah. she is at peace. She told me she's at peace, but she also has a grieving process to do. Yeah, of course. Uh, but she's also excited about her new character, and I am too. Her new character is great. I know a few things about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And and she told me that I would like her new character. So yeah, I'm excited. Yes, we we had. I was a little sad as well because uh, my character and her character. Uh, yeah. Finally, kind of broke through because we're on opposite ends of the spec uh, political spectrum. Um, so. We're we're definitely wary of each other. Um, that is, but I really wanted to see where that was going to go. Me too, because I mean, my character is a bit wily. Um, oh yeah, we so- caught you. Oh, that was so good. We caught you, kind of oopsie daisying a line. What was it? You were talking about thin bloods with Bella. Oh, yeah, I was I just, did- uh, I was just standing there listening, and yeah. she said she said something like, "Well, you you're following the Camarilla ideals," and you said, "Well, partly," and both me and Bella were like, "Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, what's going on here?" I know, I know, but I have to be careful because you know I want to have that protection. I don't want to lose my connections in the cam, but um. Well, you know, you know, Bella. You, I mean, Bella's gone now, but you, you do, you do have uh, experience with Emmy being able to keep a secret because she's she. Emmy's been on to you since day one, which was oh yeah, I mean, so on day, yeah. And I, 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 like my character is actually kind of okay with Emmy being on because um, uh, I, I, and I, I, I think you, Katarina, know this, and I know that you won't meta play, but I, I really want to be friends with Emmy, Aww. um. So it's okay if she like kind of knows my secrets, but uh, I can't really openly say what I want to do. No, of course um, not yeah. with Mr. Taylor around. My gosh, you've been real. No, because <laughs> yeah, that's not for either of us. And so uh, uh, we're both like dancing around this, and and uh, it's it's really really quite enjoyable. Um, and I I. I love that uh, your character uh, vented some frustration out on me, but the the frustration was uh, kind of funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that's uh, we do mid plays like uh, text play role plays on what happens between sessions, yeah. and um, Dallas's character texted my character about like condolences on your Baron being dead, and like officially in the LARP, she's not dead yet. It hasn't no. been announced, so my character's in total denial. And really kind of got really angry. My character's been like, really humble and really helpful and just completely mm-hmm. subservient. But she snapped. She finally snapped at Dallas's character. <laughs> that was it's, fun. It's kind of funny. Um, for, from my point of view, um, 
And basically, she told me that you're not as dumb as you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you really believe this, then you might re be as dumb as you pretend to be. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, oh, okay, you're on to me. Fuck. <laughs> Another yeah. F-bomb, sorry. Yeah. Um... And I was just like, I, I really want to say, no, I get it. I totally get it. But of course I can't because um, yeah, that's dangerous. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um. <sighs> so the, 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 like, the whole, like, kind of, like, uh, outline of this is you should LARP. LARP is fantastic, LARP. especially vampire LARP. Yeah. You should LARP. Do you want me to read the sonnet? I mean, I've sent it to you already. Uh, yeah, you should read it for your listeners. Okay, um, here we go. This is Emmy Sonnet. She hasn't written it yet. She will written write it once because she, in game, she hasn't yet found out that Bella is dead. She's she right now. If in her heart of hearts, she probably knows there's no saving her, but she is grasping onto the straws of hope that Bella can be saved. Yes. Well, her Even, her yeah. character uh, Emmy is quite young for a vampire. Oh yeah, she's only, less than a year. Not even a year old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very understandable that she would be completely devastated, and and you know denial is the first stage of grief, or a well, first for many um, yeah. is a stage of grief. So makes sense. Makes Was this? Very sense. Yeah. This is a sonnet that she will write when she knows. And it's dedicated to Bella. If you could count the stars that light the sky, a crucial thing for those bereft of sun. Cry all you want, but never dare deny the counted stars now be reduced by one. You gave me hope when hope was but a dream. Undid my chains and showed another path. Despite the dark, I suddenly could gleam a future brighter than my sire's wrath. You found me just as I was about to fall. I was so weak until you made me strong. But just as I learned to stand up tall, I heard a crash and suddenly you're gone. No longer do I fear the deepest pain. I swear to you, your death... Sorry. I swear to you, you won't have died in vain. <laughs> Sorry, I got it wrong in the end, but that's just because I was kind of... <laughs> oh, God. Oh. All right. <laughs> I set myself off. Mm. Okay. I'm here over here, too. <laughs> so that's well, bleed yeah. for you. This is what bleed is, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It's good for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna. Oh shit. Um. Sorry. Another swear word. Ah. Uh, oh gosh. Ah. Uh, all right, I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm. Well, I I think that uh, this is. I mean, that was beautiful sonnet to end on. Um, yeah, I just wish I hadn't got it wrong in the end. <laughs> oh, but it's it, it added to the um, 
um passion i guess so uh. <sighs> well, here we go so you should larp you'll suffer yeah. and you'll cry but you should <laughs> good suffering yeah wonderful yeah. suffering but, but uh, Katerina's on a roll, so really, if you're interested, contact her and she'll get you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's lint, yeah. LARP mentor, embracer. <laughs> I brought Dallas in, and after, like, I brought her classmate in, and the next LARP, another of her classmates are going to be in. So, yeah, I am. I am producing, yeah. baby. Yeah. I am delivering. Yeah, it's 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 a blast. It really is. <laughs> it really is because it's kind of like it's so real. Like you said, it was like a video game, but it's not. It's not a video game because everything is better than a video game. Yeah. You better. see, like you see everyone in front of you. You see everyone reacting, and someone leaves the room to do something else. It's like reality, like. You, you and I both, you have to agree with this. Uh, like, there are some exceptions with some people who are completely new. But, mm -hmm. and like, I give them that because they are completely new. But I, like, even people with no acting training become really good actors. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, I don't know uh, many of the others personally yet, but um, they, they are quite good um, yeah. I, mean, I I fully accept that they are who they say they are in this game. Yeah, they and, feel real. Yeah. And that is because, like, one of the biggest obstacles, there are two really big obstacles when acting on stage or in movies. Like, like in movies, there are even more because then you're seeing a camera crew all the time and you're doing one shot and one line over and over again. It's really hard to immerse yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But on, even on stage, when you get the full context of the story, you still have the fourth wall and a lot of other stuff to think about. But here, um, the two obstacles you have, first of all, like knowing, like having a fourth wall to, to imagine and also like having to pretend you don't know what's going to happen because on the stage you've read a script. In the LARP, there's no fourth wall. You're in the place. You're seeing the other characters mm -hmm. and they are behaving as they would. You are seeing people that look like dead corpses walking around and you don't know what's going to happen because there is no script. Just like in right. real life. Like the two biggest hurdles to being a great actor are gone. Now right. anyone can become a good actor just by being there. And I think I think that's also why the bleed might be stronger as well. Because oh, yeah. it's, it's so real. I mean, there is breaks, and you know, we we talk and everything, but uh, as as ourselves, not as our characters. But um, the the barriers are much thinner. There's, as you say, there's no audience, there's no camera crew, there's no retakes. Um, you just be no your character, and you have to live with wants. every yeah. single choice you make. Yeah, and uh, that is. It's, I mean, it's improv, but even a lot of times with improv, you have a sort of base or an audience or, or something that indicates that it's not real. This is uh, not quite that, you know, yeah. it's, it's much more real in every sense. It's so easy to accept this as reality. So mm -hmm. someone who's never stood on a stage, never acted in a school play or anything can go up and be like, at the level of Oscar winners, like they can just become the character and be great. 
Now, mm-hmm. you can't just pluck them and put them in a movie and they'll be great there. They are great in the context right. of a LARP. Because, right, it's it's a different yeah. in different environment, um, but uh, it is. But that's what makes the immersive process so yeah. so uh, fun. Really, I mean, I, I know that sounds not as descriptive, but it's that's what makes it so enjoyable. Um, is that it's, you don't know what's gonna happen, and you know you don't have the control of a script. Or anything, so that character can choose to do anything, yeah. and you don't really know what they're gonna do. It's it's perfect immersion, perfect escapism. Mm-hmm. You become this horrible creature in this horrible world. And I do want I do want to point this out. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I do want to really reiterate. Um, when the vampire world, most players tend to want to explore their darker sides. Mm-hmm. Which makes mm-hmm. sense because vampires are monsters, but there's also the struggle of you have to keep some of your humanity or you'll fall too far, you know. Um, but most most characters in the LARP are evil at some level. No, like people don't have to be quite as evil as Mister Taylor, uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of mid grounds, and some people are slightly evil. Uh, my character, I'm, I'm actually quite confident saying that my character is the absolute least evil there. <laughs> I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think also there's, there's something very enjoyable and freeing about going into something like this and playing an evil yeah. character. Um, I mean, you know, people play Grand Theft Auto, yeah. um, to be able to, express these things and i think that it's a really safe way to be able yeah. to do it vampire the masquerade is always meant to be an exploration of the dark sides of people yeah. but it makes it interesting for people who have these good characters too um because with so many evil characters you have a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to play against. Actually. There's there's a there's a lot uh, of really great plot points that come out when a character wants to be good. And also, so, you uh, have the tragic like Gale. We mentioned her like a little bit, but Gale is another character who actually died last uh, last session. Yes, yes. Uh, she started as a thin blood, committed diablerie. We don't have time to explain what that is. It's a really evil act that makes you a full, full, full-fledged vampire. Um, and she basically started out trying to be good. Uh, she kept being abused more and more, and in the end, she turned into a villain. My character was heartbroken by this because she caught the tail end of her fall. She saw potential in her goodness and saw that wither away. So my character was really devastated about seeing this. Uh, but she she had a fall. She tried to be good in the beginning of her. She's been playing for as long as Bella, by the way. It's a five year arc. Um, but in the end, she had just become too evil to continue. Yes. And she had to be put down because she no longer could control the evil within her. And it was a really tragic story of someone who tried to be good, but in this dark world, good could not Thank exist you. within her heart. On so, that, yeah. I'm afraid I have to um, get back to my family. That's fantastic because uh, uh, it's probably probably been going on for a while now, so that's good. <laughs> but, um, uh, keep it in or edit 
my family out. Um, I don't know if you heard them in the background. <laughs> I did not hear them, and I'm sorry I didn't, because I would have kept them in. <laughs> hi, Magnus, oh, and hi, Abby, might... and uh, hi, Nomi. You might hear them on the when you go to edit it, but... Um, Obsidian you know what? Says, you know what's freaking weird? Hmm. I've never met Nomi, except for, really? you know, when she was inside you. Wait, really? She didn't come to any rehearsals at this for the no. sequel? Oh Not that goodness. I was there. Oh my goodness. I have to meet Nomi. Like, Nomi is her, her child. Uh, and I, 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 I hung out with Dallas when we were doing The Tempest, and, and she was pregnant with Nomi. So I see Nomi with a separation of some organic matter, but <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, I am shocked you haven't met Nomi. Okay, well that has to change. Um, it does. Um, but at some point, very soon, you will meet Nomi because you've met Obsidian. I met Obsidian several times, and I met Magnus. Obviously, I met Magnus yeah. before I met you. <laughs> Katarina uh, knew Magnus before me, but yeah. Um, I... Magnus's husband, by the way. Wow. Okay. Well, that will be amended. Mm-hmm. I hope so. And also, we're going to do more LARPing and more wine nights. So. Yeah. Yeah. Those Nomi is not invited to. But... Aww. Oh, sure, fine. We'll have a soda night for Nomi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. So, um... Great. I love that you were on my... You're the first person to be on my podcast twice. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel honored. And I'm, hope, I, I'm hoping there'll be a third time, especially like yes, we have to, we have to do some too. LARPing sequ uh, sequels. Yes. We have to update everybody on the, on the LARP. Because yeah. there's going to be drama. Oh god, yes. <gasps> oh, gosh. I mean, next next session is going to be so heavy. It's going to be like a red wedding Christmas ball, and my character is going to be devastated. But there's also there's also some positive things on the horizon for my character. Maybe depending on who lives and who dies. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, thank I you, should, my friend. Yeah, thank you. I should not keep you on. I have to give you back to your family uh, reluctantly. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for listening. And I love you. And I love you, Dallas. Uh, I love you. Thank and... you for listening to me, too. <laughs> All right. Great. Have a great one. Bye. Have a great one. Bye.